Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. Last week in our study, we talked about that wonderful gift of God of how all of us uh, are made in God's image. We are, uh, God has placed human beings at, at the, the highest level of his creation. And we're the only ones in creation that are made in God's image. And we're made with a body and a spirit. And so God is spirit. And as, as uh, creatures who are made in God's image, we too have a spirit in, made in God's image. And that's because of that we learned that uh, Made in God's image means that we have value and dignity and worth. Uh, so much more than anything else in creation. And so uh, we left off last week in, in the creation story. And where we left off was that God made Adam and Eve, man and woman, and put them in the garden in this beautiful paradise of a garden. And uh, God made them perfect. And they were in a perfect relationship with God. And then something happened and things went wrong. And today's lesson, we're going to study about what happened and what is the trouble with man. And before we get into the scripture, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we love you so much. And we thank you for uh, all the wonderful lessons that you teach us through your word. And Lord, I pray today that as we study your word and we see the problems that came about because of the very first sin, I pray that it opens our eyes and our hearts to learn about ourselves and to also not just learn, but also to come to you for the solution. We know, Lord, that you have all that we need, and we thank you for that. Bless our study this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to the scripture. And today we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 2 and get a couple of verses, and then we'll talk about them. So Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may, eat, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And so uh, these two verses really uh, just state a very simple truth. God put the man and the woman in the garden and opened up the whole garden just for their benefit. And uh, there were trees in the garden. There was a tree of life that was in the garden. And there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, God's word was very clear to the man and to the woman. And the word was, eat anything you want off of any tree in the whole garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat of it, because if you do, you will surely die. Now, uh, I learned a long time ago that uh, the great theologian Martin Luther said that the Holy Spirit is the plainest speaker. And really what that means is simply that the Holy Spirit inspires the word of God. And the Word of God is really clear. And so when the Lord said, 
you shall not eat of this one particular tree, the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you'll surely die. You know, there really wasn't much to interpret there. Uh, they didn't really need to have a Bible study in order to figure out what, uh, what the Lord meant. It was just really very simple. Do not eat of the tree. Uh, and so, uh, just as kind of the foundation to this study, it's really important that we all know that God's Word for all of us is really a very simple and clear word. Always take the Word of God on its face value, first of all. Now, I know that there are texts in the Scripture that are allegorical and that they have kind of different meanings, but for the most part, the Scripture is very clear. And uh, one of the ways that you can avoid a lot of trouble in your life is by reading the Word of God, knowing the Word of God. And when you read it and know it and take it into your heart, then you have that foundation that you need for when things come along and you're tempted or pulled in different directions, you can go back to that Word of God and get the counsel of God through His very Scripture to help you in whatever kind of situation that you're in. So remember that. The Holy Spirit is the plainest speaker and teacher. And the Word of God is always best when it's taken at its face value for just, just for what it means. And so let's get a little bit more now from the Scripture. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 now. And we're going to see where the problem began for Adam and Eve and ultimately for all of us. We're going to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the Spirit was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. And He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. And made, and made themselves aprons. And so we know what the Word of God said because God said, don't eat of this particular tree. And then the serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, as the Scripture calls him in different places, also came in with his Word. And his Word was there to plant doubt in Eve's mind about the Word of God. And so the question from the serpent was, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of this one, the tree, that you shouldn't eat of this one particular tree. And then, uh, and then he came along and he said after that, uh, he, he lied by really telling a half-truth because he said, you will not die. Now that was a lie because after they ate of the tree, they surely did die. Uh, but then the truth, he, he gave uh, kind of a half-truth. The first was a lie and then the next part was the truth. And he said, you will know good and evil. And that was true. And, uh, and then there was a very tempting promise along with that. And the tempting promise was that you will be like God. Now, the devil has not changed since that particular day in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He tempts us in the very same way 
that he, that he tempted them that day. And the way that he tempts is by getting us to question what the Word of God really says. Just like he did with Eve that day. He said, did God really say? So he's trying to plant doubt in her mind. And, and we see this today in our lives, not in our own lives, but I mean in our own lives, but then also we see it even in nas big national church bodies who have had these, uh, these uh, debates and arguments and, and conflict over the last uh, few years. And one of the issues that they've had a conflict about is the issue of homosexuality. Now, I know that this is the kind of issue that stirs up emotions in a lot of people's hearts, but the, the conflict in the church, the national, uh, one of these national churches these days, is over the same question that the serpent asked to Eve, and it is, did God really say? Here it's, did God really say that homosexuality is not a sin, or is a sin? And, uh, and the answer to that is, well, of course God said that. Uh, but then they come back and they dilute, try to dilute the Word of God by saying, well, but doesn't God love all people? And doesn't God want all people to be happy? And so they put a half-truth in with a lie. Of course God loves all people and God wants people to be happy. But God also uh, tells us in the Scripture what is sin and what is not sin so that we don't get into those things and wreck our lives. The church it should never be judgmental and confrontational about the issue of homosexuality in the sense that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I, as a sinner, should never point my finger and judge another person uh, who's dealing with that issue of homosexuality and say that you're a worse sinner than I am because all have sinned. But at the same time, we all need to stand on the truth of the Word of God that... Uh, that sin is sin according to the scripture, but that God always offers a way out for those who would seek a way out by coming into a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. And so the devil still works in the same way. And you know, uh, half-truths are always how the devil works because the devil is a liar and the father of lies, Jesus taught us. And anytime you want a good lie to work, you always have to put an element of truth with it. You know, you can't just tell, usually a, a bold-faced whopper doesn't work. But if it's got a little bit of truth in it, then it's, uh, it's easier for people to believe and be tempted by. And that's what the devil does. And, uh, and he still works today the same way that he did back then. Uh, let's get a little bit more of the scripture now and see what happened as a result of the devil's temptation to Eve. And here we're going to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, gavest to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, 
Because you have done this, cursed are you above all cattle, and above all wild animals, upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Well, let's talk about this for a minute. You know, the, what happened was, uh, after the devil tempted, Eve slowly but surely begins to yield to the temptation of the devil. And she, she turns from trusting and focusing on the word of God to turning and focusing on the word of Satan. And, and so the first thing that she does, she sees that the fruit of the tree was good for food. So it was attractive to her. And, uh, and temptation usually works this way. When the devil tempts us, he doesn't tempt us with something that we're repulsed by. He always tempts us with something that's attractive to us in some way. And so when I open the freezer uh, at my house, I'm usually not tempted by the Brussels sprouts, but what tempts me is the ice cream. And so that's the way the devil works. He'll tempt us at whatever our point of weakness is. And all of us have some particular sin that, uh, that, that is with us all the time. And the devil knows about what that is, and he'll work in that area to tempt us to turn away from the promises of God and to focus on his promise and to get us to yield to that temptation. And then next it says that Eve saw that it was a delight to the eye. So whatever the fruit was, you know, we always talk about it being an apple. It just says a fruit here, but let's say it's an apple. Well, Eve saw that the apple was beautiful and a delight to her eye. So it was attractive to her and she was drawn to it. And then she began to believe the devil's words that, uh, that it would make her wise like God if, if she ate of the fruit. And after all, what could be wrong with being like God, Eve thought. Uh, being like God would probably be a good thing. Even though God said not to do it, Eve began to justify in her mind the decision that she was about to make so that she would feel good about her decision uh, even though she knew what the word of God was. And then next, she, she trusted the, the devil's word or the destroyer's word is another way that the devil is known as the destroyer. And she trusted his word. She, uh, she didn't trust the creator's word. And then she gave in and ate the fruit. And, uh, and after she ate the fruit, she took some of it and gave it to her husband so that he would eat it too. And, you know, uh, Eve here, before she took that step and, uh, and committed that very first sin of humankind, she had to convince herself in her mind that what she was doing was right, even though she knew from the Word of God that God said it was wrong. And uh, I remember when I had my counseling practice, I was counseling with a man who had, uh, who had been uh, in an adulterous affair, and the way that he was able to convince himself that this was okay was by starting to build a case in his mind, and he said, well, uh, I'm not happy in my marriage. God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Doesn't God want us to be happy? And if God wants us to be happy, and I'm not happy in my marriage, and this other woman makes me happy. Therefore, 
if God wants me to be happy and she makes me happy, then what's wrong with it? It must be okay with God. And so even though in his heart he was a Christian and he knew that there was a problem with this in the Word of God, he convinced himself that it was right so that he could do what he wanted. And I'm sure that in the middle of all of that was the tempter or the destroyer, as, he's, as the devil is known, uh, working to draw this man into, uh, uh, into this sin. And uh, as a result of, of his action, uh, many lives were really uh, affected and harmed because of his action in listening to the devil's word. You know, uh, we have to convince ourselves that something wrong is what's best for us before we'll just step out and do it. And we do that through this justifying game that we play in our minds. And as a result of this first sin of Eve, from that moment, the relationship with God was broken uh, because God is a holy God and cannot be in a relationship with any of his creation who is broken by sin. And so from that point forward, the relationship between human beings and God was broken. And, and today, as children of Adam and Eve, they're our ancestors. As their children, we too are born children of this broken and sinful humanity. We sin because we're sinners. We're not just sinners because we sin, you see. Being sinful is the condition that we're in now as a result of what happened in the Garden of Eden that day. Uh, we can't go back and turn back the clock and make it all right because that's what, uh, that's what happened with our ancestors and as a result of being born into their family, we're also born into that broken relationship with God. And uh, thank God, though, that he didn't just leave us that way, but that he's got a plan to get us out. Now let's keep moving forward a little bit and we're going to talk a little bit more about the trouble with man. And as we talked in our last few studies, we talked about how we learned through revelation and also through discovery. Well, we're going to look at what was revealed to Moses as he gave us this scripture and what Sigmund Freud, the world-renowned psychiatrist, also found out about the trouble with human beings, and we're going to compare the two. And so what was revealed to Moses was that man's eyes were open to no evil. Well, Freud came along in the, in, and discovered later on that people are ashamed of themselves deep down in their core and that they feel guilty and that sex is a big problem with them. And so we also learn from what was revealed to Moses is that the, the very first awareness of, of sinful behavior came in the form of lust with Adam and Eve when they became aware of their, of their nakedness and they turn to hide it. And uh, uh, so much of my counseling back in, the, in my counseling practice days had to do with people dealing with sexual issues because people have a lot of shame and guilt about this. And it caused lots of problems in their life, not only over things that they had done, but things that had been done to them in their lives. And that created lots of problems in, uh, in people dealt with a lot of guilt and shame over it. And then uh, the next part is Adam and Eve 
as a result of what they, they did as revealed by Moses, they hid their private parts. And Freud told us that people are ashamed uh, and hide what they're ashamed of. And so, uh, so a lot of times when people have shameful things that are going on, they try to, they try to repress it in their memories and keep it down so they don't have to deal with it. But when you repress those kinds of uh, feelings of guilt and shame, what happens is that they have a way of leaking out, they're coming up in your behavior in different ways. And, uh, and that's what the next point is, says that Moses taught us that the people were afraid and they hid from God. And Freud taught us that people are filled with anxiety and are basically afraid. And the anxiety comes from having these secrets and this shame that's hidden down inside of them. And uh, they're afraid somehow that that's going to, to come out and that they'll be, they'll be uh, found out about what they've done. And God, what God did with Adam and Eve was that he, uh, he found out what they had done and he held them accountable. And what Freud did, uh, Freud's solution to this was to leave God out said Freud thought that God was the problem here. If you didn't have God, then you wouldn't have any shame or anxiety about human behavior. So just leave God out and everything will be okay. Now let's look at the response to what, uh, uh, what happened here. And first of all, Adam blamed his wife, didn't he? You remember uh, when God confronted Adam, he said, the woman you gave me made me do this. And Freud taught us that blame is how a lot of people deal with these issues of shame and guilt over their behavior in their lives. They, they, first of all, try to find someone else to blame, and sometimes they blame their parents. If my parents wouldn't have been this way, then I wouldn't be doing the things I'm doing today. And so blame is a way that people try to justify their behavior. Blame someone else for it. And then uh, Adam, after that, blamed God. He said, the woman you gave me. In other words, he's saying as though God, this is your fault. You gave me this woman, and uh, she's the one that led me into the sinful behavior. And Freud said the problem was the Ten Commandments. He blamed the Ten Commandments for it. He said, if we didn't have these commandments that said you shouldn't steal and you shouldn't commit adultery or kill, uh, that we wouldn't have any guilt. We could just do whatever we wanted to and still feel good about ourselves. And... Uh, then when it came to the woman's turn to stand before God and be accountable, uh, she blamed the devil. The serpent beguiled me, she said. Sigmund Freud said he blamed, uh, he blamed past events in people's lives. And so uh, my elementary school teacher was mean to me, and therefore today that makes me be mean to other people around me. And that may sound silly, but that's what we do a lot of the time. We look for someone to blame in order to justify ourselves instead of looking to the Lord to forgive us and set us free, not only from the sin, but from the shame and the guilt that comes from it. Uh, Eve also indirectly blamed God who created the devil. And, uh, and Freud also, it's funny with Freud, Freud who claimed to be an atheist, uh, even though he was an atheist, he still blamed God. He said, if, if people didn't believe in God, then we wouldn't have these problems. And so, ultimately, uh, what, what we find in this wonderful passage about the fall of man 
is that God ends it with a wonderful solution for us. He doesn't just leave us here all broken and coming apart and guilty and full of shame. He offers a solution for us with the very first prophecy of the coming Messiah. Right here with the first sin comes the first promise of forgiveness. And, and in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 15, he's talking to the serpent here when he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what he's talking about here to the devil is he's saying there's going to be enmity between you and the woman. And so between the devil and human beings, there's enmity, there's strife, and there's conflict. But the woman's seed, which means her offspring, her offspring which was to come, would bruise the devil's head. Now, a head wound is a mortal wound. And so he says, you shall bruise his heel. So the seed of the woman's heel would be, would be bruised by the serpent, but the serpent would have a head wound. So there would be a flesh wound to the woman's seed and then a head wound to the devil. And really all that that means is that uh, through Jesus Christ, who is the seed of the first woman, uh, through his death on the cross, he crushed the devil. He crushed the devil's head and won victory over the devil, even though he himself was, uh, uh, was wounded for our transgressions and died upon that cross. It wasn't a permanent mortal wound because we know uh, by faith that Jesus rose again from the dead. And through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, he won for us, through faith in Him, He won for us forgiveness of our sins so that we don't have to live our whole lives in guilt and shame from the sins that we commit. We can go to the Lord and we can pray and receive forgiveness and have Him remove our sin as far as the East is from the West and learn how to live as a new people who are, uh, who are sinners but are forgiven of their sin by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is that new way of living that the people of God had found uh, in Christ, which is living as forgiven sinners under the grace of God. That's who we are in Christ today, and that's the wonderful good news for us, that we don't have to be burdened down by guilt. If you want to be free today of the guilt and the shame of your sin and have God come and set you free also from the behavior, then go to the Lord Jesus and ask for help. Turn to him and he will forgive you. He will cleanse you and he'll give you a new life and a new beginning through faith in him. Now, next week, we're going to look and another study that's really related to this, and it's, a, it's called the health syndrome. And basically what the health syndrome is, it's, it's a, uh, it shows the, the pattern of, of behavior that comes to us as a result of our reaction to the bad things that happen to us or to the bad things that we do in this life. 
And uh, we're going to learn some things about depression. We're going to learn some things about how to come out of the pit whenever we face a loss or whenever we have something bad happen to us. And, uh, and we're going to learn that God has a way out for you uh, if, you're in, if you've hit the bottom in your life and you're looking for a way to find light out of your darkness. And so be sure and tune in next week when we talk about the health syndrome, and hopefully you'll find some help for you in the situation that you're in.